the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. I'm Carl Davis Jr. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. I'm your host, but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. We're located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose, or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. Today, we have two very, very special guests today. And uh, at the end of this, this is going to be one of those epic sort of podcasts. We have Mr. Walter Wilson and Reginald Swilly of the Minority Business Consortium. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great, Carl. Thank you. Yes, it's good to be here with you. Well, you know, I have very few uh, idols, and uh, but I want to say that Walter Wilson and Reginald Swilly are my idols. The yeah. things that they do in the community, people, when, when this show is over, everybody's going to want to archive this podcast because they're going to hear what these, these men have done all their lives dedicated to our community. So I want to start with you, Reginald, because I know Walter, he's biting at the bit to let me know everything he could do. So tell me a little bit about you, Reginald, before we go to Walter, and then we'll talk about Minority Business Consortium. Yes, man. Well, well, you know, I, I think about from time to time how I do or why I do what I do. But I was raised by two parents. Uh, my mother was a college professor. My father was a businessman. And they took their lives and helped work the community that I lived in. Mm. They did a lot of civic work, did a lot of civil rights work, and, and it informed my life. And that's, that's what I've been doing most of my life. Uh, I don't know how not to do things that are, that are important to the community. Uh, I've been ordained since, as, as a minister since 1983. Oh, and, good. Uh, and so, for, so from working to a church and working in the community, it is what I do. It, it has uh, informed my complete adult life. Do you believe your faith has kept you moving in that direction? Because, you know, there's so many things when you're a community activist, how you can get uh, disappointed that things aren't moving. Has your faith uh, as a minister helped you in that area? I think so. I, I, you know, uh, we, what we do is community activism, but I kind of don't like that term so much, right? Mm-hmm. I see myself as a server, as someone that served in different yes. areas of need, and and it's serving the community, it's serving at the, uh, from a still uh, a spiritual standpoint, but it's serving the whole country. Shoot, man, I was a soldier, 
uh, I was uh, I worked there at, when I was in college. I worked in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Those things that inform our lives, that help us align ourselves so that we can serve others, not just for ourselves, but for others. That is the thing that I think that help uh, make life worth living. Mm, I'm love- not disappointed uh, uh, in the long run. From time to time, we have some disappointments, but in the in the macro sense. We're moving forward. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go to the ultimate servant leader, Mr. Walter Wilson. How are you doing, Walter? I'm doing fine. How are you, Carl? Walter, cool. and I know it's going to be very difficult I'm, because I'm you're back. I'm going to have to interrupt you now. You Please. have to listen to me talk. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, um, Carl is one of my heroes. So, <laughs> you know, way back in the day when we were in our 20s, Carl was an entrepreneur in this community. And... Um, he was uh, doing business of all kinds here when most people were thinking about other, other things, like going to cause parties when he was making thousands of dollars a night. So, <laughs> uh, just, just for the record. Oh, that's for the record, huh? Uh, Carl is the trailblazer in this area of economic development and opportunity in this community, and people well respect him because of who he is and the work that he's done and the leadership that he's provided. So just just to set the record straight. Amen. However, I'm Walter Wilson. <laughs> um, I am a, a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a great-grandfather. Wow. I'm a lifelong civil rights activist, um, a businessman, both for over 45 years. And, um, and right now, we're working to develop uh, business opportunities for black and diverse underrepresented communities. A little bit about myself. Um, as a teenager, I grew up in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco during the Summer of Love, mm. and it was an amazing place and time to be. It was a, it was a renaissance. It was it was so exciting as you walk through the neighborhood, you can feel that you were part of something. It was the place the place vibrated, it resonated, and it was it was so exciting that as young people, you know, you didn't want to go to bed because you was afraid of what you might miss. Mm. And you couldn't wait to wake up because you was afraid of what you might miss. <laughs> and so my wife says, that's why I don't sleep now, because I'm afraid of what I might miss. <laughs> but, um, I must lie, I'm, and I was, I've been informed by being part of that era and civil rights in this country and world-changing um, um, ideas coming out of the head Asbury informed me about a, a lot of many things in my life, about who I am, including my older brother, my mom, and... Um, and the um, and the things that were going on during that time. But when did um, you when did you come down to San Jose? Around when did you come to San came Jose? Down to San Jose about forty five years ago. And but to me, the whole Bay Area is one big city because I have yeah. relatives from one end to the other. Yeah. And uh, but but culturally, uh, they are very different places between San Francisco and San Jose. I call San Jose my home, and there are people who tell me since I've been here longer. I'm not from San Francisco. I'm from San Jose, but um, you're from the Bay Area, right? Yeah, exactly. From the Bay, I like that. There we go. From the Bay Area. You know, um, you you led into something that you and uh, Reginald both are a part of too, and I am myself. This Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. Can you can you guys talk a little bit about that? Because the first time I heard that name, Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. What the heck is that? Can somebody tell us what Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet's about? Pastor Swilly here, who's also my business partner, Minority Business Consortium, is the new co-chair for the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. And I'm going to let him talk to you about what that is. It's, you know, it's amazing, man, uh, um, that this group of has come together, uh, African Americans from around Silicon Valley, from different disciplines, all walks of life, pastors, 
social workers, business people, we all come together once a month and we sit and talk about those things that are important to the African-American community, what can help change many of the desperate uh, outcomes that, that, that we have in our community. And we have wisdom. We have been uh, uh, received by most of the business communities and, and many of the government agencies. They look to us to help them figure out the best way to serve our communities, so that we can do uh, uh, so that we can do those things that are important to serve our community. So the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet was created in 2005. Um, one of the uh, creators was. Um, the current uh, vice president for the California State NAACP, Rick Callender, and one of the other uh, founders was Andre Chapman, the CEO of Unity Care Group. And uh, it was concerned, they say, by concerned community leaders as a means to address the broader social ills that are currently impacting the lives of the African and African ancestry community here. Um, the BLKC is made up of a broad cross-section of over 50 community-based organizations, mm. agencies, businesses, fraternities, sororities, social groups, individuals, and community members. The rich history has consistently affected significant changes to enhance the African, African ancestry community's health, education, business opportunities, promotional advancement, and cultural diversity. In fact, uh, we've decided that in order for us to really address the disparities in our community, we need to know very specifically and detail factually where we are today. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, two years ago, three years ago, we completed our first study about the lives of African, African ancestry people, about their health. Uh, the outcome of that was that we have uh, the very first African-centered health center in Santa Clara Valley history as a result of that study. We just recently completed our education study um, to look at the disparities of education, and now we're in the process right now of looking at solutions to those disparities and, and seeing where that goes. And it's all community-informed. We follow the community's lead in this process. One last thing I want to tell you. The Black Leadership mm -hmm. Cabinet is called that because in the, black, in the black community and probably even most other families, when serious family business takes place, it happens at the kitchen table. So the, we are a family. Mm. And because of that, we call ourselves the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. Where did the cabinet part come in at? I see the kitchen. The leadership kitchen. Where'd the cabinet come from? Well, the cabinet, oh, the everything's in the cabinet. cabinet. Everything's the cabinet in the cabinet. The cabinet yeah. of people, yeah. the cabinet of individuals, organizations, and sororities and social groups. And 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 the thing is, we, as Pastor Swilly said, we come from a cross section of people in this community mm -hmm. that that come together. We meet the first Thursday of every month, and we have lunch in different places throughout the county, and we meet with people who make policies and. Mm -hmm. We meet with them. We'll invite them four or five weeks out, and we'll send them a set of questions or concerns that we have around their policies or their allocation of resources to our community, and how can we work together to collaboratively address what we see as um, disparities or other issues that we should be able to collaboratively work together on to make life better, not just for the African ancestry community, but also for everyone here. You know, although I was making light of that, just laughing a bit, the serious part of it is, you know, by forming the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet, of which I'm a part of and the Silicon Valley Black Chamber is a part of, it actually helps a lot of people because we do become that one voice in our community. And, you know, it's very difficult to have one voice in the community because we're not all the same, black Republicans, <laughs> Democrats. But when we get together in that room, we come out with a consensus that, that says, here's what we put in front of you, not our own personal issues, but here's what's going to help our community. And I'm right. very and thankful want, to be a part of I want to say this about the chamber, though. The chamber, and you call, Carl heads up the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet Economic Development Committee, 
and we're bringing more and more people on board to really address real economic issues and economic development issues, not just as a chamber, we're using the chamber's leadership to guide the BLKC in the right direction. And, and, and we, we really, at our next study, probably after this criminal justice study that will be coming up next, will, will be economic development. But, Carl, this is, I basically say this is a very unique situation we have here with the, with the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. And uh, that unique situation is that we come together, we lay our egos aside, mm-hmm. come in and work together for the overall better good. Yes. Sometimes it's not the way I like it, or mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the way I want it. And every time people hear about us around the country, they say we need to have a black leadership kitchen cabinet in our city. Right? So, <laughs> hold, hold it right there, Reginald. Let's leave it right there. We're going to take a break. Everybody stay connected. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. And now back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Walter Wilson and Reginald Swilly. With the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet and their own company called the Minority Business Consortium. Reginald was talking about something with the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet before we went to break, and I want to I have him be able to finish that. So, Reginald, do you remember your thought on what you were talking about with the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet? No, I, I was just talking about how unique a situation we have and how we have, have figured out how to come together and work collectively, and I said checking our egos, right, mm-hmm. so that we can get some collective work done. And, and, and it, it actually informs a lot of the work that we're doing in the community and our business. It really lines up so much to, together. Every time Walter, uh, Walter and I end up doing some community work, we, we end up calculating that it is helping our business as well. Mm. Mm, that's that's huge. And I, I, I want to dive into what you guys do as your profession, because that's something that we come alongside of with also in doing the things that you guys are doing with your minority business consortium. So when did you guys start that? And and uh, and what is the minority business consortium? What is it? Well, you know, when we look back at our history, called we had a we had a beautiful community in segregation and we had a beautiful business climate in segregation. Now, there were some dangers and there were some problems with, with the whole segregation in the, in the United States, but there was a vibrant business class. And what integration happened uh, did was it destroyed our business community. There's not mm-hmm. black theaters and black drug stores and black grocery stores and, and, and many uh, and black businesses building all of those institutions and and, and because that did not happen, we looked around. Walter and I were looking at BART coming into San Jose mm-hmm. and high-speed rail happening in California. That's billions of dollars in commerce. And, and we started looking at, were there opportunities for black businesses to get some of those contracts? And I had been on the board of the Black Chamber at the time, and, and Walter had been working with uh, uh, working with the Board of Supervisors around Mm -hmm. trying to get Bart to come here, and we kind of just bumped heads on this. He called a meeting. I showed up at the meeting. Black (laughs) Chamber showed up at uh, uh, Joel, who was the president of the Black Chamber at the time. He showed up at the meeting, and we started talking about it. Wow. Actually, I had had written out a sketch, an outline for for the California Chamber of Commerce to get black businesses involved in the high-speed rail project. Mm. 
And so Joel brought that to this meeting that Walter had called about how we can deal with BART coming down here, how we can get black businesses involved. And now, now, and you, guys are, now you guys are called Minority Business Consortium, though, so you do more than just black businesses. You help the minority community, huh? Perfect. That's good. I'll let Walter explain how that happens. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, in Santa Clara County, African, African ancestry people make up less than 3% of the population. But what we do know is that the disparities and, um, and lack of diversity, it impacts not just black people, it impacts a lot of people of color and also a lot of poor white people, to be, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we look at it, we look at it from the standpoint of how can, how can we make a win-win situation and everyone be winners. Um, for example, one of our first large projects we did was the San Francisco 49er Levi Stadium that was built in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And... You know, that stadium was built, and um, as they were building that stadium, they had no inclusion, no involvement whatsoever of minority and women businesses, not even sweeping the floor. They were building that place. And the civil rights communities were up in arms. It's like, wait a minute, you've got 80% black people on the field, but, you know, you have 0% black people helping to build the stadium. Mm. And so um, it became a real issue uh, with the ownership of the 49ers. And at some point, they decided to hire a minority business consortium because not only were we civil rights activists, but we were also business people. So they took a risk by hiring us. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that happened was a $1.3 billion stadium, and they were already had already done $800 million worth of work. And my business partner says, listen, why don't you guys pull back the last $500,000, $500 and rebid it? Mm. The very first thing that happened is they rebid it to FF&E, furniture, fixtures, and equipment. And a gentleman uh, who grew up in East Palo Alto has a business called Metro Furnishings, came in with a bid that was $3 million cheaper than the good old boy price that they had before, even with the upgrades. So therefore, every single piece of furniture, and that includes every seat that people sit in to watch any event in that stadium, provided mm. by a black man. Amen. Look at so that. That immediately was a $3 million saving. Because, you know, what, what Reginald always says is, listen, more inclusion equals more competition. When, when, base, when, when Jackie Robinson got into baseball, it didn't get worse, it got better. Amen. Come on, and say there's that. This, there's this talk of we can't have minorities do this because of the quality of work. And we, we don't we don't buy that. We know better because we seeing a lot of the work that's happening is actually physically being done by minority minority individuals who actually work for a lot of primary G C white owned companies. And you got and you got folks in inside the stadium when you had vendors in there, right? Oh absolutely yeah. Even to this day. We have every major contract that's inside the stadium today has one, two, or three subcontractors who are either women of color, um, people of color, uh, uh, women, or others who are underrepresented. And the thing about that is that in order to work in any NFL stadium, you must have five years' experience to begin with. So we all know who that is. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a group of white guys who's pretty much locked everybody out and came up with this rule. Well, and working with the York family and the 49ers, they, they agreed with us. And uh, Jim Mercurio, who's the vice president of the stadium and general manager, said, listen, we're going to open up this process and we're going to bring our local community businesses in to give them an opportunity to participate. And also, once they get their five years' experience, guess what? They, they not only can bid themselves here locally, mm-hmm. they can go to San Francisco, Oakland, Las Vegas, or anywhere else and bid on those NFL stadiums as well, or, or baseball stadiums for that matter. So your experience working there proves to people that if you have more competition, you can get better prices. At the end of the day, everyone saves, and we create a larger middle class, which is what we really want to do, right? 
That's exactly part. That that's exactly what we evangelize around the area with the county, with the city, with these major corporations. We say that the people that you are serving are are continuously being locked out by the big guys. That's what capitalism naturally does. Mm-hmm. You know, if I got an electrician company worth forty million dollars and you got worth worth five hundred thousand. I might take a loss just to keep you from getting in on on, on my territory. In other words, big mm-hmm. bank take little bank. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so and so as as that happened in capitalism, we have got to come up with a way that we can keep continue to rejuvenate the business climate to make sure that this company can go from a half a million to a million to five million to twenty million, right? And that kids coming out of college can see themselves owning their own business and not just working for somebody. Because the truth is, all of these companies right now, the people that's doing the work, the people that's doing the work are our African American folks, or Hispanic folks, white folks, Vietnamese. They are doing the work. They mm-hmm. just can't have a business because the business, the business act, uh, uh, climate has been locked up. Yeah. So the the guy out on the golf course, he's a business owner, but all the other folks is doing the work. So we figure like, we figure if you have the expertise and the understanding to do the work, you should be able to have your own business. If you so desire. And you should have access to contracts as well. But let me say this to you, Carl. So what we see is a natural progression to address that, particularly mm-hmm. in terms of the, making sure we have a middle class. Mm-hmm. And we start locally. Tax dollars, these are tax dollars, mm-hmm. the largest Contractors in the United the largest builders and contractors in the United States are government agencies. Period, hands down. We build roads, bridges, buildings, and it's all with taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. But here's what we say: for example, BART, Barry Rapid Transit. The first part of that BART project, the, the company that got that contract was known as Scanza. Well, Scanza's from Scandinavia, but check this out. Mm-hmm. So they have to, by law, they have to hire all these minority women subcontractors from all over the country to come work on it. Because that's a requirement. Mm-hmm. But once the billion dollar check is, you know, is written for the for the profit, that money in this country will not hire a school teacher, mm-hmm. hold, help a homeless person, mm-hmm. help, a, help help a child or a te- school teacher, or even pe- or, or, or hire a police officer. That money's going to Scandinavia. That's hundreds of millions of dollars of U.S. tax dollars leaving the country. So what we say is this: we need to address this. From a local standpoint, how do we keep money in the city of San Jose? Mm-hmm. How do we keep our tax dollars in the city of Santa Clara? How do we keep our tax dollars in the Bay Area? How do we keep our tax dollars in the Northern California? You know, and as as we move out, the bottom line is this. So what we're saying is this is tax this is taxpayer money. It does not belong to the big boys. In fact, most of the taxes are paid by mid-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't they have the benefit of being able to? you know, uh, get some of these government contracts. For uh, San Jose Airport is a prime example. The federal government says you must dismantle contracts. You cannot have contracts bundled. You must dismantle them so that you can create more opportunities for people. And historically, they were bundling these contracts and lock, locking out little guys. Yeah. And we, had, we went to the city council to address this as, as not just wrong, but mm-hmm. wrong-headed. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you have the big boys, Basically, locking everything up and locking the little guys out who could actually do some of these smaller projects where where they're not um, bundled uh, together. Bundled together, exactly. And, yeah, and, and the community suffers. I mm-hmm. mean, we uh, uh, the, the the stadium authority over at, uh, at the in Santa Clara, uh, which is basically the the city council. They got this in the beginning when when this was brought to them. They understood it and they bought into it, and and, and we are in the process now of trying to uh, uh, infiltrate their whole city 
procurement process. But the thing is, we are so we we have been so so lost in the thing that can rejuvenate our economic systems, our local economic system, and spreads out to the state and the nation. Mm-hmm. Is that we have lost that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I keep saying we're evangelists. Maybe it's because I'm a preacher. But <laughs> as we go out and speak about this, there's not much pushback in in the when we look at the sense of it. No, we got about 30 seconds, though, guys. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that you give our listeners a chance to contact you if they like what you're saying and they want to be a part of what you're doing. Could you guys give them away? How would people reach you? They could, our phone number, our business number is 408-660-9171. And our website is minoritybusinessconsortium.com. And our emails are Walter, W-A-L-T-E-R, at Minority Business Consortium, M-I-N-O-R-I-T-Y-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-C-O-N-S-O-R-T-I-U-M.com. And, and mine is Swilly at MinorityBusinessConsortium.com, S-W-I-L-L-E-Y. Carl, it's good talking to you. Well, I want to say this. We've been, uh, we've been blessed to have you guys on, and we're going to have to bring you back. You know, we want to let our folks know that they're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections, where your success comes from your connections. Great program. Thank you. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected, Silicon Valley Business Connections. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.